Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right. Welcome, everybody, once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. There are so many reasons that I am super excited to do today's podcast with my guest. One reason is I'm sitting like three, four feet from him here in the studio where we produce Demand Gen Radio. And you are the very first person outside of some of the team members at Demand Gen to do a podcast with me here in the studio. So thank you for coming up. All right. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. And for those of you that don't recognize the voice and didn't read the description, I am sitting right next to Ian Brown. And Ian and I have known each other for a very long time. We will go into that. He recently just joined a new startup, and I thought it would be great to have him on the program to talk about life as a marketer at a startup. And Ian, because you and I both love music, yes, I, I have a little walk-up song for you that I'd like to play. And uh, it's it's a special one I picked out for you. I don't know if it fits lyrically <laughs> exactly, but I think the theme is right. Here it goes. You ready? Yeah. All right. What'd you think of that? I loved it. I like the Stones. Uh, Mick is still doing his thing. So... You know, I can't beat it. I took at the I took a look at the lyrics and I'm like, it doesn't quite fit the theme, but it's got startup in there. there so go. there that it is. Works. I also looked on uh, I did a search on YouTube for startup song. Uh-huh. And I found this TED talk. And I, I I'm gonna say right now, I'm gonna ask Justin, just play a little bit right here if you guys would just bear with me. All right, here goes. Here's just a little bit. Rising up. Back on the street Did my time Took my chances If you couldn't tell, that's actually (laughs) Eye of the Tiger. And it's it's anything but in the right... uh, It's just, you know what? It's a great song. I was at Orange Theory earlier this week on Monday... And they played it. It was like the last track of the workout, which oh, is perfect yeah. for a high as energy I, workout. I, I've done Orange Theory. I don't remember that being in the first five minutes of the workout. <laughs> not, not that version. <laughs> not and that I version. don't understand why that was a TED Talk. But uh, hey, look it up on TEDx if you ever need a very depressing slow version of Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> anyway, welcome. More Good like, to see more you. Like, more like the tail of the tiger. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, you told me right before we got started that this is your first podcast. This is my first podcast, although I'm not a stranger to microphones, but this is my first podcast. You're not. No, I'm not. But by, by, not by day, but by evening, by weekend, other times, Ian is a very accomplished musician and producer and songwriter. And for those of you that have ever seen me DJ at the select times I've done it, uh, at some of the conference, I DJed a few times in Las Vegas at the Marketo events and some Oracle events. And Ian was nice enough to share some tracks with me that I played prior to, let's call it the dance set. I played some great lounge music that you had put together. Thanks. So thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, you know, the whole music thing. Um, So I got nominated for a Grammy. You did. I did. I did not know that. I did. First round, 10 years ago. Wow. I got beat out by Maxwell, who decided to make a comeback. (laughs) Wait, Maxwell wasn't... 
this wasn't like the one hit wonder no he he was part of the whole neo soul scene okay and then he took some time off and then he decided to come back the one year i actually got nominated first round first round not i didn't make it to the second round but i made it to the first round and i got a chance to go to the grammys and hang out and i think weird al and i shared like (laughs) shrimp in the buffet really you're in weird al yeah I've always wondered how Weird Al got away with all the copyright stuff, but that's probably a topic for another day. Yes. I think it's it's enough of a transformation of the original music that it's not an infringement on the yes. copyright or yes. something like and that. And it, you know, it promotes the original, so I'm sure no one's complaining. Awesome. Well, as you can tell, E and I have similar passions. We've known each other for a long time, and one of the reasons that I thought it would be great to have Ian when uh, we synced up, and, and uh, again, we'll come back, he just joined a new role, is so many of the CMOs and heads of marketing and marketing operations folks that I have on the program are at very large, multi-billion dollar, 100 million uh, in those ranges companies. And Ian, it, not only an accomplished musician, but an accomplished marketer, his focus and passions is in the startup area. And many of you reach out to me, and I'm glad you do, and and consult with me on, hey, Dave, I'm looking at new opportunities. What do you think of this? Or what do you think of that? And one of the the things that I look at in your career background uh, is, have you worked at a large company, if that's what you're looking at? Or have you done startup life, if you're at a startup? And because I know in my own experience, I started my career at Microsoft, mm-hmm. so I've worked at big companies, and I certainly have worked at at small startups and startups that have gone big. And and when I've transitioned out of those, um, because there's a certain size company that I like as well. So tell me about, uh, let's talk about your background so people get to know you a little better, those who don't know your music or or marketing uh, background. Let's start at the very beginning because it's a very good place to start. Cool. Sorry. (laughs) Is that that Disney? No, no, the sound of music. Oh, all right. There you go. It's all good. Some Disney. <laughs> I tried to, I thought it was Winnie the Pooh and Christopher. <laughs> take us back to the All beginning. All right, take you back. So um, let's go way back because I, was, I actually was visiting my sister this weekend and we were talking about this. And she asked me, how did you become a marketer? How did you decide to become a marketer? And uh, I was in high school and I, as most, I wanted to be an astronaut until I found out that you needed perfect vision. Uh-huh. Um, and you're wearing glasses. And right I am now. wearing glasses right now. I am too. Uh, so so, that so killed, that's out. So that's out. Um, and then, this is going to sound crazy, but I saw this movie by Michael J. Fox called The Secret of My Success. Great movie. So combine that with this internship I was at, uh, at this company called Prudential Bait Securities, which is this company down in Wall Street. Uh, and I remember I, I took my first black limo ride home. And I said, oh, I got to do this. <laughs> it's a nice ride. <laughs> I've got to do this for a living. So this is pretty cool. Um, so then I, I, I got into Boston College, and uh, I, I got into the Carroll School of Management program to study marketing. And so I spent four years just diving into finance classes and statistics classes and uh, as most marketers, when you first realize, wow, there's math on this test, uh, I thought I'd be making uh, commercials. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, you're 18, you're 19 years old. But yes, there is marketing and math, uh, or there's math, sorry, I'll say that one more time. There's no M in the four Ps, but, yeah. but there is. Yes, there, there is uh, math uh, when it comes to marketing. Um, so yeah, so that's how I started my, my love for marketing. And I think I've always loved marketing, again, since I was 18, 19 years old in college. Um, went home to New York, 
with my wonderful Boston College marketing degree. Yeah. And then uh, proudly told my folks, I want to be a musician. <laughs> Which Different M. I said, but I, I said, it's okay. I'm going to pay for it because, you know, musicians, they make a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. The successful the ones. The successful ones, yeah. right? Uh, so I auditioned and I got into Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Right on. So I moved back, originally from New York. I moved back to Boston and uh, was spent time there and graduated. And, of course, found out that musicians don't make a lot of money. <laughs> and so I called a friend of mine up uh, who did the same thing, literally. Went to Boston College, then went to Berkeley. He moved out to the Bay Area, and he was working in tech support at Apple. Uh, specifically, this company called Claris, which is a subsidiary of Apple. Yeah. And uh, I, I ended up well. getting a job uh, working at Claris. And... I was able to learn all the technology, and FileMaker was one of my products that I supported, in addition to this one other product called HomePage, which doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, think of it like Dreamweaver. I was going to say, it was a really early website development yeah, platform from Claris. Yeah, and we're, we were talking like 1997. And in the marketing department, they needed someone who knew HomePage and FileMaker to do that whole uh, connection between the website and the, and the databases. And I was one of like two people who knew the product backwards and forward. And I also had a marketing degree. That's crazy. Uh, more we have in common. So uh, I was like you, I had a love for music mm -hmm. and realized that there could be a lot of money to be made in music. But my style of music, as I said earlier, was being a DJ. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was a saxophone player. I was in a jazz band growing up. I was a band geek, uh -huh. uh, along with being a computer geek. But when I found out that the DJ at these weddings that I would work at as a catering person uh -huh. uh, were making like seven times the amount of money that, that we were making serving tables, I'm like... I think I'm going to follow my passion and and <laughs> and play music for people. So that was good, but I needed to start building up some professional expertise. And I ran a very large user group. This may not be a surprise to you, given how we met. Yep. Um, I ran a very, very large user group in Los Angeles called the Macintosh uh, user group, LA Macintosh user group. Nice. And so... Uh, I met some people through that who would say, hey, you seem to have some skills in this Macintosh thing. <laughs> and this... Uh, director producer jerry london uh, if you want to look him up one of the most accomplished uh tv producers uh well known for the mary tyler moore show okay. but he was also mr uh made for television on the, the monday night specials like shogun was one of his big ones anyway he hired me to make a filemaker database which was like the precursor to the imdb nice. database he wanted to catalog all the different actors and actresses and everything they had been in so i, I was a consulting gig megan at that time 150 bucks an hour yeah. making filemaker database that's how i got to know filemaker and, and the crew there he introduced me to mel gibson and tom cruise and a few other celebs to do some tech work for them were they using filemaker no they were doing networking networking their Macs, oh. and so they needed someone to like pull wire and network the computers in their home and i somehow had that skill as well were they there when you were doing the networking no never met either one of them oh yeah never met tom he was at his house several times he was never there and mel gibson's studio i can't remember the name of it his first initial studio maybe it's the same it was near um burbank uh, between burbank studios and universal okay and i would go there he was never there either which really disappointed my sister i have to say <laughs> You she brought wanted, your sister along. I brought her an autograph picture, <laughs> but I never met Mel. Okay. We digress. Yes. So we did, we, you and I met over user groups many years Yes, later. we did. Yes, we did. Um, 
I guess I should continue the story a little yeah. bit, right? Yeah. So, so I worked at Apple for four years, and then uh, in 2000, I bought a house in Tri Valley. And of course, making that commute, as we all know, in the Bay Area, that's a big uh, two to three hour commute down to Santa Clara, Cupertino, not that great. Uh, so I decided to uh, find work closer to home. And so actually one of my managers at Apple uh, got a job at a company called Documentum. And she said, uh, we have this thing which allows us to send emails to people. Again, this is this is <laughs> this, this is two this is two thousand, and there was this product called Market First. Do you remember Market sure. First? Yeah, absolutely. It was like on-prem version of probably would be close to what Eloqua now. Yeah, I guess. Um, Weren't they the makers of Pivotal? Pivotal owned Market First. They owned them because we had Pivotal as our CRM at Ellie May, and we right. called it Pitiful. So I do remember <laughs> that company. I, I, I hope they're not still around. <laughs> I don't think they are. No? Okay, then you're no. good. <laughs> so, <laughs> that version was pitiful. That, that version was pitiful. <laughs> so yeah, so, and but it was like, I think Ian can figure, how, figure out how to use this thing. And I came in and I was the admin for Market First. Um, and that was like my first time really getting my hands dirty on, uh, I would say probably the future of what is now marketing operations, mm-hmm. where, you know, it was a little Wild Wild West, you know, oh, 100,000 people. Sure. Let's hit send. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? <laughs> Click away. <laughs> Click away. <laughs> Way before GDPR yeah, or anything else. Any, yeah. yeah. There, was, yeah there, there was no can spam laws. No. Oh, no. Nope. And so, but yeah, that's what I did. And uh, I was with the team. We were like, the, we were called the online marketing team. Um, it was led by, by Peter Tate. I don't know if you know Peter Tate. I don't know Peter, no. Uh, but he's been around for a while and... And then, and I had met Roy Gum as my manager. Uh, David Milam was the CMO at the time. No, David, well, yeah, and uh, and we were just, we were just this ragtag team of geeks in the marketing department, creating everything from dashboards to programs with the demand gen team, on the website. I mean, we really were like just figuring it all out, mm-hmm. you know, while the internet is moving at lightning speed. So. Um, but yeah, that was great. Then I moved on to a little company. I, I followed my manager, Roy Gum, uh, to this little tiny company in Sacramento. And uh, he, he, he told me, can you find a solution that is similar to market first, but lighter and doesn't require a whole bunch of resources? And so, of course, I get online, I start doing my research, and uh, I, get a, I, I end up connecting with Jill Rowley. Mm-hmm. The famous Jill Rowley. <laughs> and uh, she comes up to Sacramento and shows me this product called Eloqua. And, uh, you know, I would say the rest of my my uh, my online marketing, marketing operations uh, career uh, was therefore set, if you will. Uh, so I began using Eloqua. And uh, let's just say it totally changed my life. Uh, I met you at the very first user group meeting. Uh, it was hosted at Sybase. You yeah. were the VP of marketing at Ellie Mae. And I'll never forget seeing this whiteboard of just flow, flow charts and a presentation that you're given that completely wowed me because I went, if I can do half of what this guy is doing, I'm set. You know, and I'm at a little company and yeah. you're at you know, bigger, much bigger company. Uh, but I went, yeah, like this is, this is awesome. This is cool. I'm sold. Where do I begin? How do I how do I do this stuff? And I think it might pick your brain a little bit too. But 
Um, but no, it was awesome. And, and, and I went back. Um, the company left the company because, again, left, left, this, left the company in Sacramento and then ended up at uh, Trinet yeah. for four years. Yeah. Where they fully embraced uh, Eloqua. And they said, we want you to really just own this. And I had a team. And, and long story short, we were one of the first market award winners. Yeah, you guys were. Yeah. And it was awesome. Us in Las Vegas. Hanging out on stage with uh, with Joe yeah. and uh, getting the very heavy award. I didn't know it was going to be that heavy. It's made by the same the the Markey Award as you probably know. It's made yeah. by the same people who do the Oscars. Yeah, yeah. So it's really heavy, <laughs> and it was just an amazing experience. Um, and so I I did that, and after that, um, you know, I'd been now working in uh, sending email communications for what, probably at that point, five or six years. And I, I think inside myself, I said, okay, I think it may be time for something new. You know, to kind of take this marketing to the next level. And that's when I, I found my first startup, which was a company called Mastery. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember seeing you there, which- You uh, helped us. Yeah. You, you actually helped me bring on Eloqua at yeah. Mastery. Yeah. yeah. That was the first time we actually worked together, even though we were running in the same circles and yep. figuring out stuff uh, together. So let's come back and give another shout out to Jill. Um, I don't know if you know this, Ian, but her episode with me uh, is now the number one listened episode on demand gen radio. Wow. And I just let her know that the other day, which of course, if you know Jill, like for her, that's like the best news in the world oh, yeah. that she's number one again at something yeah. else. <laughs> but the thing yeah. that I want to give a shout out to her was what you said is that you discovered Eloqua through her I and I discovered Eloqua through her. And those were transformational meetings to the rest of our lives and careers. Because even though you had discovered Market First and were using some email cannons pretty much at that time, yep. this was the evolution of that. And so it got you and I on pass and those pass connected officially at the, at the user group, which like I said, my decision to start the Macintosh user group in LA was really around, hey, I want to get a bunch of people together who are really into this thing called the Macintosh. Yep. And this is in, in the 80s. Uh, and so then the uh, same thing with Eloqua. I just took out the same page, uh, playbook uh, page and, and in my life later on said, well, now I'm in my career and I want to find other smart marketers and bring them together. And that's how you and I met. And I'm glad to hear you were inspired by what we were figuring <laughs> out and doing there. And now I'm very inspired by the, the work that you have done. And it was very cool for us to, to work together at Mashery. Yeah. Um, so let, let's try and make this episode as prescriptive as possible and, and pull out some points along through it uh, for folks to hear. Yeah. And one is you're very comfortable with change. You're happy to be an agent of change. You're a risk taker. Uh, you started early in life taking risks by, by going down the, the music path and you had no trouble picking yourself up and moving to different states and different locations and taking on commutes yep. to follow your passions. And a lot of people don't have the same appetite for change. I know my dad who worked for the government his entire career hmm. until he retired. My father-in-law who worked for Lockheed Martin his entire career, they're not real agents of change. And every time I change companies, it was a little unsettling yeah. uh, for them, but you, you're comfortable with that. And so I think that's important point uh, for people thinking about making change that that startup you may that you pick, it m probably won't be the last place that you're ever at. Maybe it is, don't know if, if you have a big hit. A lot of people from Documentum, I'm sure retired from there. They, they did incredibly well yep. back in the day. So what do you think about that in terms of your appetite for, for change? You know, I, I will, uh, 
I'll tell you a story. All right. Um, so let's first talk about the first startup. Uh, my first startup, I'll never forget that uh, I think like most people, they think, I would say outside of the, probably the Bay Area, they think that a startup is very glamorous. You know, you see stuff on TV, uh, you hear about Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, um, people going through the hallways on scooters and allowed to bring their dogs or free food mm-hmm. at, at lunch. Um, my first startup, I'll never forget, my wife and I uh, went to an open house on Foothill Road. That's a startup alley. Because you, you, just, you just think, oh, I mean, I'm going to work at a startup now. Yeah. And uh, I went and saw this house, which I couldn't afford. Um, and I met the realtor, and her husband was there, just kind of helping her out, older gentleman. And we start talking, and he's like, "Oh, where do you, where do you, you know, where, where do you, where do you work?" And I said, "Oh, I work at Chinet, and I'm going to my first startup." And he's like, "Oh, that's awesome." He's like, "I was at a startup too many, many years ago." And I said, "Oh, what was the name of the startup?" He goes, "Documentum." <laughs> And I went, what? And I said, I, I, I worked at Documentum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He goes, really? I'm like, yeah, I worked at Documentum. And you could see this look in his eyes. And he's just remembering all the great times that he had. Mm-hmm. And um, the one advice that he gave me was, it's about the journey. It really is. It's about the people that you're working with. Um, the, the, the friends you're going to make and the friends you're still going to have. Um, that's the most important part of working at something like a startup. Yeah. Um, if you're going into it thinking you're going to be rich, like it's going to be a lottery ticket, then you might as well just take out a dollar and go to Safeway and you know, <laughs> buy, a ticket. Buy, buy a ticket. You might have better because, odds. Because, yeah, well, you might. Yeah, you <laughs> probably not. But. Probably not. But, but, but if you're going into it with, for, with that in mind, then that's, that's not really why you should be doing it. Um, kind of going back to the risk notion, yeah, I think, we all, I, you know, I think we all take risks when we start a job, right? Um, but I think there is something about, one, you're taking a risk by yourself, Versus you're taking a risk with five, seven, ten other people. You're locked arms, and you all are jumping together. Such a key point. And, and I, that you're not the only risk taker oh, in the yeah. room yeah. And I think, at a startup. Yeah, because I think, you know, you could work at a 10,000-person company and, and still get laid off. You know, that's real. Yeah. You know? So I think the difference between working at a big company and probably a startup, when we're talking about risk, is that, yeah, you you're, you're with other people who all are part of the same vision, same dream. You believe that this product that someone had uh, an idea for in their garage or basement uh, is actually going to work and that people want to buy. Yeah. And you're locking arms and you're saying, we're all going to do this together yeah. as a family, as one unit. Jump. Yeah. And that's, I think, is probably the, the biggest takeaway, right, such, when it comes to risk. Such a difference. We, we mentioned, uh, you know, Eloqua, which back in the day when you and I experienced Eloqua, it's a very different company. I mean, mm-hmm. to say 180 is not even enough degree difference. Yeah. Yeah. But if you go anymore, it's, it's, it's too close to what it is. So <laughs> we'll just stick with that. Yeah. Eloqua was a startup culture. Joe ran it like a startup. Yep. Everybody was passionate. It was the the start of digital marketing, really, and, yep. and marketing automation. 
and just people wanted to win together. So not only was there the energy and passion in that organization, um, but they they created a community of people. Yep. And when they grew and evolved and later became part of Oracle, the whole culture changed dramatically and innovation yeah. changed dramatically. And then Marketo comes on the scene, yeah. um, which which we'll get to because you're a two-footed soccer player for sure. Yeah. And it made and, changes. And I, I worked there. I forgot about that. I was there. Uh, I was at Oracle. I was at Oracle. Uh, I was one of their uh, marketing consultants. So for a brief moment during the transition, I actually had Ian Brown at Eloqua.com. It was surreal. At Eloqua. Well, because they, well, they were Oracle. They had already been okay. Acquired. I thought you said you worked at Marketo. No, no, no. I worked at Oracle. So uh-huh. I worked. So I. So I actually worked at Oracle for for a year. <laughs> <laughs> Before I got the call to go to another startup, but I, like, <laughs> hit the parachute. I'm out. <laughs> but I got a call. But I, yeah, I got a call. They 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 wanted they wanted folks who knew Eloqua yeah. to help others who uh, were using the product at the time to give them uh, advice on how to apply the product yeah. to you know everyday marketing needs. Mm-hmm. And so it was me and like a whole bunch of other Eloqua Power users yeah. who were there as consultants to help these users out. So for a brief moment before the official transition happened mm-hmm. from Eloqua to Oracle, we all had Eloqua email addresses. And, then, and, and you, you talk about like all of us being fan boys and fangirls. Yeah. Like we were all like, oh my gosh, like the dream is here. Like we are actually Eloqua employees. Well, Oracle employees, but you know. Um, so yeah, it was real. You're right. That this the same culture that uh, the team at Eloqua started, it completely uh, went through to all of the users as well. Mm-hmm. Like we felt like we were a part mm-hmm. of the team. You know, Adrian Chang was my customer success manager, and we became friends and we hung out. I mean, like it was like I felt like I was a, a member of the Eloqua team. I would get on a call with our with any sales rep and and talk down Marketo, you know, <laughs> which it's funny. It's funny to think about, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, I was, I was all in. And that's, and that's why Marketo, when they came on the scene, who had a new and innovative product, um, they built the marketing nation. They branded their community yep. and they had that um, excitement uh, and culture that, that we experienced earlier on uh, back when it was Eloquent before, before Oracle. So, so getting back to you joining Mashery, now this startup and mm-hmm. you're running marketing now, your first marketing yeah. leadership role, right? Was yeah, that- well, it's, it's, yeah, it was my first marketing leadership role. And, uh, and I'll never forget that first day. Uh, I, I get there like maybe 8.30 in the morning. Um, and I think the HR, the person who was running HR was there, and nobody else was in any <laughs> office. It was like dead silent, um, you know, in San Francisco. It was my first time taking BART to work in San Francisco. Um, I get there at 8.30 in the morning. I think sometime around 9.30, someone rolls in. I think it was like the VP of product. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, the whole team was up late. We're launching, you know, some new feature or whatever. So folks will be in. Um, but yeah, you can, sit, you can sit there for now. But I think that's someone else's desk. So, <laughs> you know, just kind of move some of that stuff out of the way. And you don't have a laptop. You don't have anything. HR person comes in, gets you kind of set up. Um, and then they're like, okay, well, you, you know, you'll sit in that room over there. And... Uh, okay, we'll see you later. 
and that's it. And you're, and it's just silence and an empty whiteboard and you mm-hmm. versus what I had left was a team of like 15, 20 people, company of 300. And there you are by yourself. And you're, you are the marketing department. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when the journey begins, mm-hmm. you know, that's when, it, and yes, is it scary? Yes. Uh, especially it being my first time, but you know, you, you figure it out and you, uh, and you go with, and I think this is by nature, you go with what you know. Mm-hmm. So of course, the first thing I started doing was let's launch some email campaigns. Okay. <laughs> let's get, I know how to do get, that. Let's get the engine going. <laughs> and, but it was, but it actually, it worked, right? Because, you know, one of the big things to take away from a startup is that you are the marketing department. Like mm-hmm. there's, there, there is no person to go to. Uh, when a contract comes in and and you you need someone to redline it, it's like uh, yeah no you're the one who's redlining this contract for this vendor. Um, there is no one who is managing the website and WordPress. Mm-hmm. Here's your here's your here's your login a login. Yeah. Here's your password. Okay, update the website. There you go. <laughs> oh by the way, can you upload these leads into Salesforce for yeah. us? Yeah, like that's you are the marketing department. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that, um, candidly, would you say that in your experience, do you feel there's a greater appreciation for marketing in a startup versus a larger company? Oh, that's a good question. I think it, I think you first have to tell the story first of the type of startup you're at. I think there's an appreciation across the board. But I do think that every, not every startup is is equal. Mm Mm-hmm especially at the stage they're at. Let's talk Series A. Yeah. Actually, let's go even further back than that. Let's just talk like Angel, mm-hmm. friends and family, if, mm-hmm. if, for those of you who aren't listening or don't really understand what I'm talking about. But every startup that has probably ever come to being uh, had to start with a dream, an idea, a risk taker, but also needed some financial backing. And sometimes it comes from a savings or sometimes it comes from friends and family or sometimes it comes from a group of individuals who decide to take a risk on your idea, your dream, and your risk. Um, that's sort of angel funding, as they call it. And you don't need a marketer at that point. No. You know, you're just trying you're to... You're trying to get the product done. You're just trying to get the product done. You're trying to get the product out. Once you've actually proven that your product is valuable and people may want to buy it and you get maybe one, two customers who actually want to take a risk in you, then maybe you get your, your Series A. And... Now you have some room to actually maybe hire some more help mm-hmm. to help support your vision and your dream. And even then, you probably still aren't ready for a marketer. You hit Series B, you get a little more, more money, uh, you've got some customers now who want to use your product, and now you're ready to scale. And that's when it's time to say, okay, let's bring on some marketing help. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at that point, it's, it's almost like... Uh, you, you, you know there's a need, right? You've been trying to do things on your own, but now let's bring in some real help when it comes to marketing. Yeah. Um, and that's typically where I find myself, you know, at least when it comes to startups. But I've been in C, too, where there's a team developed already. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a, a pseudo culture mm-hmm. already established. And uh, you can actually find a place where you can fit, but you still have to wear multiple hats. Like... You may be the person who is owning demand generation and maybe owning Marketo, Oracle Marketing Cloud, or HubSpot, or whatever it is that they're using. Uh, But you also may be on a plane going to an event, 
and setting up a booth. That's real. The Series A and the Angel Round, you bring up a point again. I want to try to be really prescriptive because I know someone right now, name begins with the letter A, and just uh, departed a MarTech company, and he's looking for his next thing. Mm -hmm. And he's more looking in the biz dev role or even a, a stronger leadership role uh, than that, above that, maybe chief revenue or head of sales. Mm -hmm. And when you're Angel or Series A, Angel, you're getting the product done. Series A, you're getting customers and you're yeah. building revenue. You bring up a really good point that anybody who's looking at a startup, if they're in that stage, it may be too early for you yep. to join them in marketing, even though they need a website and they need some collateral, they need business cards, they need elements that marketing would produce to, to, to help launch the company, but they may not be ready for you and your skills or have the budget to support the level of effort um, the level of contribution you can make. And yeah. I think for you, you know, Ian, this is not your first rodeo, second or even third, fourth. You're going to go into an environment where you want enough of the cement foundation poured and cured so that you can build on, on top of that. And yeah. that's what you've learned over time to look for that. I made the mistake once of going to a Series A company and they never got the product done. Mm -hmm. So the product was never complete and I had to depart. Now, the people that I met there are still phenomenal colleagues of mine. In fact, yeah. one of the relationships there springboarded me to my next career. And so had I not done that, you know, it's interesting when you look back on your life oh, and you yeah. realize like, wow, if I hadn't done this and hadn't done that, even my father-in-law was telling me at my daughter's recent wedding, he goes, you know, if I hadn't walked down to the parking lot and met Jackie, that's his wife, uh -huh. while I was bringing in carts at that moment, I don't know if this wedding would have taken place. And he was tripping out on it. Probably had a few cocktails, but he was, he was like, wow, little experiences like that. Yeah. So look, we all learn from our mistakes and turn sometimes, we, we fail forward if, yep. it's even, if it's even failure, but you, but you get it. So tell, tell me more about what it's like um, you know, working in a, in a startup in, in that environment. Uh, and, and if you were advising people maybe whether to do it or how to hit the ground running. Like you said, once you're there and you're the marketing department, uh, and I know Jen Demas, who I've had on the program, really just got the gigster and they've never had any marketing. They're about 40 million in revenue. Yeah, and wow. she's, she's working with us and we've been doing some phenomenal work with them and getting things off the ground, but Jen's a heavy hitter. Yeah. So she's not gonna go into an environment where there's not a commitment to marketing at the right time. And and she came into Gigster right after they did pretty a pretty big pivot from where they were going yeah. to where they are, which is another point that sometimes what the founding principle was doesn't end up being the company's trajectory. Yeah, well, let's, I guess, yeah, let's talk about like, let's talk about fit, right? Mm -hmm. For startups, probably the first thing I would say is you have to have a love for unconditional love for change, meaning uh, change is going to happen. You know, it's it's the classic who moved my cheese, mm -hmm. but the cheese moves every day. <laughs> you know, like you don't know what's going to happen uh, every day. Um, you have a plan, you know, <laughs> to use another quote. Uh, what did Mike Tyson say? Yeah, everyone goes in with the plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of like that. Not that you're getting punched in the mouth every day, but change just happens. So yeah. You have to be... The pace have, is, yeah, is, is crazy. Yeah, the change happens. Things are fast. Things move fast. Things change fast. But in that process, you're embracing that because you're also allowed to be creative and scrappy. You know, you don't have millions of dollars in marketing budget. No. So you have to do a lot with a little. 
And in fact, I mean, people appreciate you for it if you can get that crafty. Yeah. Um, you have to be, like you say, you have to be okay with moving super fast, which is probably why a lot of startup folks wear sneakers, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but good, good running sneakers. But yeah, it'd be okay with wearing multiple hats. Yeah. You know, like I said, uh, you know, one day you could be in Marketo, and then the next day you could be on a plane going to an event. Mm hmm. Uh, so there's that. Enjoy working with small groups. Uh, if you enjoy working with small groups, building, you have to be a builder. If you enjoy building things and creating new things, I think that's great uh, and would help you working at a startup. Um, you know, if you, another way to think about it, a startup is like a band, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and everyone wants to make it to Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And so for you at, at that startup, Maybe you're the lead singer that they've been waiting for, the mm -hmm. drummer they've been waiting for. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, what's you 2 without Bono? Mm. You know, so, yeah. you know, you can't, you're not going to find another Bono. And when the band does find that Bono, then you can really create some beautiful music. Um, so, yeah, those are one, those are just a few things, uh, you know, but I would say, again, it counts on the stage that you're at, right? Yeah. When it comes to where you plug yourself into a marketing organization, Probably early on, yeah, you're, you know, like right now, I am the only marketer in the room. But my hope is that I will have, you know, some help. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's where you want to grow to, you know, but for now, it's perfect the way it is. But I also lean on vendors like, like, like Demandian. I'm sure you probably work with a ton of startups um, or companies that need your help that don't have the resources internally. And so a part of your extended team at a startup also does include some vendors, you know, I, I have a website, I log in every day and I make edits and changes when I need to. Um, but I didn't necessarily build the WordPress uh, uh, platform that a website sits on, right? Yeah. I needed someone to actually build that for me, you know, to create an environment that I could then make updates and changes. To. Yeah. So you are leaning heavily on vendors, at, especially at that early stage. Yeah. And I say, if anything, the key is, you know, how do you find the right vendor? Yeah. You know, find someone that you can really trust and find someone that is an extension of your team and even an extension of your skill sets. Yeah. So that way you can actually make this thing that you're trying to build happen. Yeah. You you said something. I'm sure you work with a lot of startups. And just to give you transparency behind that, we don't. Oh, the, that's right. The we don't. Yeah, that's right. The I'm exception sorry, yeah. is folks like you, yeah. folks like Doug Seacrest, folks like Dave Milam. There are people who know what the playbook looks like. And so they go to a startup and they want to move fast and mm -hmm. furious and they have the expertise. So they know and can justify the expense of marketing. I mean, you could hire an independent consultant, which we are not, mm -hmm. or you could hire a team like DemandGen, or you could hire PwC. Some multi-billion dollar companies hire PwC or, or yeah. hire us. Uh, mid-sized companies will more likely hire us and not a PwC. And the really small will either hire someone or an independent. Yep. But where we really are a great fit are folks like yourself and others that I mentioned that you you know what to do and you want to yep. get it done. So overnight, you get a team from us to get that stuff done. Yep. So that's the fit right there. Otherwise, we struggle. That chaos, that turbulence that you talk hmm. about, we can't work on a roadmap of projects yep. and keep them focused. There's, it's almost, there's a lot of ADD that goes on in a startup yep. or feels like it because you're moving in all those directions. So I want to ask you a question on behalf of hmm. the demand gen radio community, which is what criteria should you use? What, what do you look for 
in a startup as, as a marketer, because you've done this now a few times. So if you were to share with someone, hey, here's the criteria, what to look for, or what at least you look for, what, what advice would you share? Yeah. Well, for me, and I think you might have heard me say this before, um, I don't chase the money. I don't chase the title. I chase the work. And if someone is looking to work at a startup, and I mean this honestly, um, evaluate the work that you're going to be doing at the startup. Making sure that, you know, if you are, for lack of a better term, a full stack marketer, someone who knows Marketo, knows Salesforce, um, again, not afraid to get on a plane and go to an event and do a demo, um, can open up Adobe Creative Cloud and not be afraid to lay something out in InDesign and at the same time open up Photoshop, Illustrator, you know, and, and <laughs> or put you know, a board deck together. Yeah, yeah, put a board deck together. You know, if you aren't afraid of all of that and you want that in your life every day, um, then maybe a startup is right for you. You know, at a bigger company, you, you are a little siloed. Mm-hmm. You just are because mm-hmm. you're in a m- massively large company, which probably has an equally massively large marketing department in, in which you have a specific job and your job is very important and is needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you do have that skill set, mm-hmm. again, full stack marketer, then uh, and you want to use all those capabilities, then, yeah, startup could really use your help. How do you, you, you just started, when, when was the official start time? A couple of weeks ago? It's Three funny. weeks ago? Uh I think I've been there for a month and a half. It goes by so fast. A month and a half. Okay. Yeah, maybe a month and a half. Because it feels like yesterday I was saying on the podcast with Michael King that I mentioned you because I had just, he had just mentioned, hey, I placed someone over yeah. in your area. And I go, wouldn't happen to be Ian, is it? Because <laughs> you had just mentioned that you were making, uh, that you had landed. And I'm yeah. like, oh, wait, I'm connecting the dots. One of the best recruiters and one of the guys. Best, <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably these two. So it wasn't that long ago. No. Share with folks. So you're you're the first marketer. You're, yeah. you're building the marketing team. Um, you're at the end of 2019 right now, starting to look at next year. Yeah. How do you approach budgeting and planning? How are you approaching, hey, I'm going to need a team. I'm going to need technology. What what What's those essential tools that you're going to start planning or, or bringing in if you haven't already? Yeah. Uh, let's talk about, again, the, the focus. So at a startup, um, you don't have a lot of money uh, to play around with, I should say, so, which means you really need to be focused on where the dollars are going uh, to ensure that you are able to hit the goals that you need to achieve. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, it's all about demand gen, uh, revenue, Customer logos. What do we have to do to get that? Because I know that's the key to hopefully one day me getting more dollars for marketing purposes, right? I want to be able to put you know more fuel on the fire mm-hmm. for the things that are working. Um, so going in and looking for the opportunity, the low hanging fruit, that's where my focus is. You know, do we do we need a new PowerPoint presentation? Yeah, sure. You know, do we do we need a you know a branding guide? Yeah, sure. But it's not going to bring in new logos, so it's on the back burner for yeah, now until yeah. you know. creating your corporate style guy was not <laughs> yeah. a week one initiative yeah, to get yeah. kicked off. Yeah, because yeah. no one's making anything. Yeah. but you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but me. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm the guy. Yeah. So didn't you, by the way, do the logo originally for Trinet? I did not. I don't. I want to say I did the logo. I hired a branding company. Yeah. 
uh, and I was on the rebranding team for Trinet. Okay. So I, I don't want to say I, I made... Yeah, like, I wasn't the guy, I, I but was, I was, yeah, I I was in the up, project. I didn't open up Photoshop or Illustrator. And, <laughs> That's my wing, yeah, that bird wing. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't do that, but I did hire the company. Yeah. Um, so what do you focus on then? It, if it's not that stuff, which absolutely not, wh- what are you working on? You, you focus on a little of everything, but the things that matter the most. You know, You have to be your own project manager. Um, and you have to be the one to set your own goals. You know, like, like, let's look at today, for example, right? Like this morning, I woke up, dropped off my kids at school, I came in, uh, I edited a blog post that we're working on, I had to review travel for the team that's going to an event, then uh, I'm looking for um, a tablecloth for, for the event because <laughs> we, we don't have one. And we got an eight-foot table, so I have to go, you know, now make a tablecloth. Um, I had to review a contract for what, some web design stuff we're doing. Then I logged into Marketo and then created some more landing pages for our SEM campaigns, which are about to start. Oh, and then I had to create more content for the email streams I've got Marketo going. Um, oh, yeah, and then there's the, the product overview that I'm laying out in InDesign. And then reviewed some of the stuff that we were talking about today so I didn't sound like a rambling idiot. Uh, you know, like that's, that's the word. You prepped for your, your I podcast? I did. Well, you know why? Because it's your very first it's podcast. It's my very first one. I yeah. wanted to be prepared. So. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> anyway, I didn't want you to go, delete. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Justin, we won't be running that podcast with Ian. Done. No, it'd probably be one of our longest that podcasts because I'm honored to have you here in studio. Doesn't it feel exactly like Howard Stern's studio? It's, it, it's big and was, we've got our own I, booth, some plexiglass. I was kind of hoping for NPR, but yeah. you know, yeah. but this is, actually this is very NPR. Did you like the green room in the front? I did love the green room and i love what you've done with the walls the gold is amazing <laughs> it's 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 you all should come by the studio we should have a live studio yeah. audience is, here. That a, is that a real diamond on the doorknob <laughs> oh yeah if only you knew the behind the scenes of demand gen radio it's it's a nice comfy little studio we di- we digress so that that's that's quite a diverse day yeah that you had and i'm today. not done you know i'm gonna go back i have to go back to work um, and I have to continue this and, you know, go home, pick up the kids, maybe make dinner and get back online. And I think I might have a meeting with India tonight. You know, let's, let's actually touch on that because we talked about the rate of change and yep. the pace. You also profiled how mornings for most startups don't start so early. And the reason for that is because the end of the day is not five o'clock or even no. six o'clock, if there's even an end of the day. So would you would you cast some perspective yeah. on uh, the level of effort uh, and and amount of, I don't know if it's hours, but the level of effort that you yeah, need yeah. to put in working at a startup? Yeah, you know, working at a startup is, it's not a nine to five. Let's just start there. Um, it is, it becomes a part of your life. I mean, it, the lines are so blurred. I remember talking to my mom last week and uh, I think it was like the middle of the day. And she goes, well, I, I don't want to disturb you while you're on your lunch break. <laughs> <laughs> your lunch break. Yeah. Okay. Again, my mom's 75, yeah. right? So, yeah. But she's like, yeah, I don't want to disturb you while you're on your lunch break. I'm like, lunch break? I think like, I've had a lunch break in I don't know how long. Like, what, what is that? What is that? <laughs> so, yeah, no, like you eat. You just, you eat, you go. You eat, you go. It's all blurred, right? Yeah. Um, but you get the flexibility to pick up your kids and do the things that you need to do. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I'm I'm up early in the mornings. That's just my thing because I have the kids. Right. For some folks, they're coming in later because they were probably up at 
I don't know, three or four o'clock in the morning because they, maybe their engineering team or resources or vendors are on the other side of the world mm-hmm. work doing work for, you know, to help out the company. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it is a very dynamic, agile environment. It's a very global environment. It can be very global. Uh, you know, we live in an economy now where work can get done 24-7. Right. And so for a startup that's trying to be nimble, you know, and expedite certain projects, then yeah, that's real. Um, where you may have a team that's across the world and uh, you're on the phone at night for, you know, half an hour, an hour doing a meeting. But it's okay. Yeah. You know, because again, you've all locked arms. Yeah. You've all made the leap. You've Everybody's the making that level of effort. If not, they don't survive. They're it's, gone. Yeah. 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 Or just, you'll just know. Like, yeah. you'll know from the beginning if it's right for you. Yeah. You know, I think it's it's not something that you, you go in and don't have those expectations. I think it's something that you go in hoping that it's like that. Right. You know, that's what, you sign me up. That's yeah. what I want to do. I'm in. Let's go back to, to budgeting. Um because I didn't, I didn't hit that um, in terms of how do you figure out, let me ask it differently. Mm-hmm. So the company is going to have a revenue goal for next year. Every company yep. does. And since they've never had a marketing department before, do they need, and we don't have to talk specifically mm-hmm. about, um, about Turbo, but how do you find out what your marketing budget is going to be? Or do you go make a case for what your marketing budget needs to that, be? That's a good question. I think... Um, Typically, when I've gone in, you know, there's a set number already set. Um, I, I think someone, Did you talk about that in the, or would you talk about that in the interview and kind of find that out? Because the number one thing I recommend I, to people when they go to a startup is find out what the CEO thinks about marketing and how they perceive marketing before you go there. Because if you have a CEO who's kind of that numbers-driven, very technical uh yeah, I, I think of the folks like at Affymetrics, much bigger company now, but right, mm. geniuses who started that company and figured out how to store DNA on a, on a microchip, right? Mm. They, for years, never felt that any marketing was ever needed, nor should money be spent on marketing, because if you just tell doctors and hospitals in the world that we have this capability, they'll just buy it. That was their viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, not reality, always, yeah. far, <laughs> far from it. So um, I think uh, if, I think you have to, I think you have to, first ex- i think you have to first take in when you're interviewing uh the leadership that you're interviewing with to see if they have a passion for marketing see mm-hmm. if they understand it see if they get it um and you'll you'll know you know like if if you're getting asked questions that um that just don't quite gel when it comes to what you're presenting uh during the interview process as a marketer like if you're not seeing the heads nod uh you'll know i've, I've been there you know, and if they are just as passionate about taking that next step in marketing, then they will make the budget for it. You know, they will make the time for it. Mm-hmm. Um, they will support you, mm-hmm. you know, in the things that you want to achieve because they believe in it. And you'll know. Um, and you'll know it even from the other individuals that you're interviewing with as well. Like, they're like, we can't wait for you to start mm-hmm. because we have a lot of ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I would I would say if anything... Um, Typically, at least for me, the budget has already been there. Like the dollars are already carved out. Now it's like, okay, well, now what do we do with this? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we actually break this out? Well, 
let's what what's the goal? Mm-hmm. Where do we want to be? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from that point, that's when you start deciding like how do you want to how do you want to uh, break up these dollars so that we you hit your end goal. Um, the other thing that you might even run into at a startup is that you are inheriting a budget, and you and you are inheriting resources, right? Like let's let's say you may not be the first person, but maybe you are the second person um, to come into that particular role. You know, not every startup means that you are the first person, mm-hmm. um, and so you have to kind of figure out, like, okay, well, okay, this is what I've got now. How do I, you know, how do I turn, you know, the the water, the really good water, yeah, into wine, yeah, right. Like that's that's your mission, you know, when you when you come into that role. You mentioned uh, when we met each other that I was running marketing at Ellie Mae, and one of the things that I had to do when I went there because they were not a startup, they were still smaller. I mean, they were probably at the time I joined in the hundreds of employees, not mm-hmm. sub one hundred, uh, but not two hundred. But I had to rebrand marketing. Because what marketing had been in the company's history and journey, and they had actually been around for a while, mm-hmm. but didn't really hit that hockey stick growth until a few of us got there and turned them into a software company and, and mm. the beast that they are today, very successful company. Yep. Um, so I had to rebrand marketing because everyone perceived marketing to be one thing. And yet many people knew that marketing needed to now be at the next level of evolution. One thing being more of the brand, the messaging, the initial website or two, the collateral, the look and feel, the corporate style yep. guide, the sales enablement and templates and that type yep. of stuff. So when I came in, like you, demand generation centric, I want to move the needle on revenue. I want to generate qualified leads for sales and mm-hmm. line, all that stuff that you and I share passions around. I had to let them know that's who we're, that's who we are now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll still do the pretty pictures and make everything really look great. Yeah. And the events will be off the chain, but um, we're going to drive revenue and this is how we're going to do it. Yeah. Um, for So, um, I want to ask you a question around quick wins and impact. So what does success look like for you, right? You're still in the honeymoon stage. You can do no wrong at the office, <laughs> potentially. As, um, as they are all listening to this right now. Yeah. <laughs> you, you got a good guy on the team. I can tell you that right now. Everybody at Turbo Systems that's listening in. Um, what are the quick wins going to be so that you can make a short-term impact? And then what does success look like in 2020 for you? If, you, if you've got that figured out in the first five weeks. Uh, you know, I want to say yes. I mean, we all are driving toward the same goal, which is uh, we want this company to be as successful as it possibly can be. And it really depends on how many logos, how many customers we get. Uh, what's great about the product is that it's super easy to use mm-hmm. um, with not many barriers uh, to entry. Uh, you know, it's not some massively long sales cycle uh, that's required. And it was built that way. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it just makes sense that we should be getting a lot of logos. And so that's our goal, right? Like we're trying to get as many customers as we can. Um, and everything that's that we're doing as a company is geared toward that. Like we all are 100% in on that particular goal. Nice. Yeah. Well, there's a great, there's a great legacy. Um, you know, founders coming from ServiceMax. Uh, Pat's been on the program. We talked about Dave Milam yeah. uh, and, and the work that they've done there, getting spun out of GE. And so for him to uh, do another startup and, and build uh, another successful company, I have, have no doubt. How'd you guys, well, you found each other through Michael. Yeah, right? we found each other through Michael. Uh, again, living in the Tri-Valley, uh, Michael has his list. And he said, Ian, you still live in Dublin, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> you're not in I, Sacramento you're or not, Boston. You're or, still in Dublin, right? Yeah, yeah and you know the company I the, the last startup I was at just got acquired. 
um, by another, you know, by by a competitor, you know, which is you know says a lot about the work that we did on the marketing team at mm-hmm. Figure Eight. Uh, that's where I left, and now I'm at Turbo Systems. Um, and yeah, he gave me a call, and uh, I had a chance to meet Hari and the team. And you know, it's interesting. I, I was listening to one of your other podcasts. Uh, I forgot the gentleman's name, but it was about becoming a CMO. Mm-hmm. And with Nick from SAP. Yeah. And uh, I, I listened to it, and I listened to the advice that you were giving him about becoming a CMO. And I think you could also apply it to working at a startup. I think, I think you'll know when it's time and right to for yourself to work at a startup. Mm-hmm. Um, when you want a new challenge, when you want something more, and I think the same holds true. Uh, for the job titles that you want to achieve, maybe, right? So marketer, technologist, storyteller, musician, now podcaster. Podcaster. um, I'm going to ask you one last question. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's back to kind of the impact question for next year. If you were described, let's let's put yourself in a time machine, and now it's later in a year. There we are. I like the sound effects. You're welcome. What's your brand at the Turbo Systems team when they describe you and the impact that you've had at the organization that first year? What what's what's your brand? How do they describe you? Take your time. I will. Um, I'm going to lean into something I used to have on my LinkedIn profile. Uh, that Ian is a Swiss Army knife. He's a marketing Swiss Army knife. You know, it's one of those things where, like, if you have a Swiss Army knife, you know, you. You, you need it when you absolutely need it, you know? Um, and you can do multiple things and many things. Uh, and I think working at a startup, you're just, if anything, you're going to need a whole lot more Swiss Army knives, you know, because there's always going to be something. Yeah. Um, and Ian got us through this particular stage. I, I don't think you could have said an analogy any better than that in terms of really... Um, capturing what it takes to be successful in a startup as a head of marketing and what you need to do. Because in a larger company, right, you, you can be the jackhammer or you can be, yep. you know, the, the, the forklift because they need a forklift operator, yep. you know, or, you know, following the analogy. Um, and then what you need is someone who can like, as they say, roll up their sleeves, not just roll up their sleeves to um, use Marketo or, build a graphic but as you described your day you're yeah. picking out tablecloths yeah and you're planning events yeah and maybe creating business cards for the first time I, or, yeah, yeah that happened that, that was two weeks ago no right. three weeks ago there you go <laughs> yeah, made oh, business so cool. cards yeah it'll be fun hey can i uh since we are uh in the same neck of the woods and, yeah. and we certainly uh work together and stay in touch let's have you come back a year okay. from now or six months whatever the right time is let's do a year t- a year all yeah, right let's do a year we'll mark, let's see what happens we'll market the calendar yeah and 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 share the journey because the journey is either going to be a journey of of success or a journey of, of learning and yes. and um, both of those stories or either of those stories are going to be um, super beneficial to the audience to hear how things went for Ian and the lessons along the way once again yeah yeah I've worked at startups that have been uh, wildly successful and I've worked at startups where they said you can keep your laptop <laughs> so, <laughs> so good luck yeah good luck <laughs> so, to you. You so you know so I've, yeah i've seen it all yeah. and uh 
you know, I know Turbo's not going to be the one with the laptop. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I've seen it all at this point. And, um, you know, I, what I envision for this coming year is something that's going to be absolutely amazing. Awesome. So. Well, thank you for on your lunch break. <laughs> on my, my lunch Co- break. Someone up. call my mom. Yeah. Tell them I'll, on my lunch I'll break. I'll tell her what you did. Thank you. Tell thank her. you for coming in, man. Great to see you in person again. I'm really proud of you and all the success that you've had and all thank the you. all the tools along the journey that you've learned and disciplines. Um, I, if we had more time, I would love to chat with you about ABM versus lead management and, and oh things like gosh. that because, right, you're going to need to be very targeted in what you're doing now. It's not a spray and pray approach. No. Yeah. No. Cool. Well, thanks for coming up. That is going to do it for this episode of Demand Gen Radio. If you want to connect with Ian Brown, uh, I strongly suggest you do. I mean, one of the great things that I've certainly done across my career is build an amazing network of people, and Ian is one of those. So you can easily find him on LinkedIn, Ian Brown. He is now at Turbo Systems. I think you helped mention that. We also gave a couple shout-outs to Michael King at King Recruiting. He's been on previous episodes. Go back and listen to those two episodes. They're doing incredibly well. And uh, if you're thinking about change, uh, let Michael know and uh, let me know if I can help and mentor you in any way on the right company, large or small, and, and the roles that you're looking at. I'm always here to help. And I say that because I know as a public speaker and thought leader and, and podcaster, sometimes it sounds like maybe we're all not approachable. I mean, I don't reach out to every author of every book that I write, but nothing makes me happier than to connect with the community with all of you. So love to hear from you on LinkedIn or drop me an email. And Ian, I'll let you get back to it. Good seeing you. Same as always. I will uh, see you at the next, I don't know, whatever B2B event. Um, next week I'm at the, uh, I'm going to go uh, to the Terminus uh, ABM workshop that they're okay. doing. I talked with Sangram this morning. He'd like me have me over there. So awesome. the day before my birthday, September hey. 25th, my birthday, September 24th, I'll be in, in San Francisco. Happy birthday. All right, my friend. I'll let you get out of here. I know you're going to pick up your daughter in a couple yeah, hours. I'm going to go pick up my daughter. And get, and get back and get, get back, back to work. Get back to work. <laughs> All right. Take care, everybody. We'll catch you on the next episode. Bye-bye.